Welcome. You are listening to a sermon preached at Church at the Armory. If you like what you hear, share it. God bless you. Amen. And so Jesus is the reason we're here today. And so let's talk about him for a while. I'm going to try something a little different. I've never preached this way on Easter. And I'm going to talk about the resurrection of the Lord. It's very easy when we go through Passion Week to kind of get our minds and to kind of focus down into a few number of days, especially, you know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, death, burial, resurrection, right? And try to get down and focus on just a few days in history. But I want to tell you this morning, the resurrection of Jesus Christ changed everything. It changed everything. It is one day on the timeline of humanity that you could put a tick mark and say, when that happened, everything changed. Somebody say amen. And so I'm going to kind of talk about what this day did and and how it changed all humanity. I'm going to talk about the the timeline of humanity. You know, uh, we look at the timeline of I'm going to draw on this board. If you can't see it, I'm very sorry. There might be a couple of chairs on the front that you can run up here, but I'm going to try to use the fat side of the marker so everybody can see it. All right, but if we, we expect a timeline to go like this where it's just one solid line or very squiggly line. And we kind of think a timeline works like this. It has a beginning, and then at some point it'll have an end. And then, you know, at this point this happened, and this point this happened, and this point this happened, and this point this happened. And we kind of think that's how the timeline works. And I'm going to talk about that, but I want to just establish some scripture before I get into this. This is the timeline of humanity. This is how one day, one tick on this timeline changed everything, okay? And so let's, let's read some scriptures. Uh, you will not be surprised to know that I want to start in the book of Psalms. All right, Psalm chapter 8. Well, we've done covered up the TV, but can you all trust me that I'm not lying about the scriptures this morning? I may lie about some things, but not about what the Bible says. Okay, so y'all just trust me. I'm not lying about the scripture this morning. Oh, Lord, our Lord, Psalm 8, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Thank Daniel for that one amen. The Bible preaches much better than Chester. So if anybody deserves a amen, the scripture does. Oh, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name on all the earth. Yes, right? Amen. Who uh, have displayed your splendor above the heavens. From the mouths of infants and nursing babes, you have established strength because of your enemy to do away with the enemy and the revengeful. When I consider your heavens... I remember, I remember talking about whenever I was going through personal revival in my life as a teenager, I would, uh, we lived in a parsonage right next to the church, and I would walk across the parking lot. I remember coming out of services sometimes, late services where the power of God had moved, and it would be a clear North Arkansas night, and just the stars would be out. I remember it taking me half an hour to walk, which should take you two minutes to walk, because I would just walk, and I would look at the heavens, and I would go, you're really real, Right? I look at the stars and go, you're really real. This is not a figment of our imagination. This is not some kind of made-up psychological mind game. This is not some theory. This is a fact, Jack, that Jesus is right there. When I consider the heavens, right? And when I consider the heavens... The works of your fingers. So I want to start off with this big idea. Instead of focusing down on kind of one little 
two or three day period in time, I want to I pull back the scope and I want to consider the big God of all creation who speaks through the heavens and everything he has made. The God of all creation. Somebody say amen. So when I consider the heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have ordained, more than just created, he ordained what they would do and where they would be. He set them in their place. Somebody say amen. amen. And um, uh, verse 4, what is man that you think of him? Anybody ever felt that way? What is man? Who am I that you would think of me? And the son of man that you would be concerned about him, yet you've made him a little lower than God, and you crown him with glory and majesty. Verse 6 says this. This is an important verse. This is the verse I want to point out today. You, you have him rule over the works of your hands. God has the son rule over everything. He gave him authority. And you have put everything underneath the feet of Jesus. The same man that can walk on water walks on top of any situation you feel like you're underneath right now. Well, I'm preaching better than yourself. I ain't supposed to preach like this on Easter, Pastor. Let's go short and let's go home, right? No, no. The same man who walks on water is the God who walks on top of whatever you feel like is pushing you down today. He is the God and he is the God that through death, burial, and resurrection, he has authority, and now everything's underneath his feet. Somebody say amen. amen. He has put, everybody say everything, everything, under his feet. Sheep, oxen, animals of the field, the birds of the sky, the fish of the sea, whatever passes through the paths of the sea. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. So Holy Spirit, we come to you right now. And we call upon the God of creation. We call upon the original giver of life. And we call upon the one who was dead but is now alive. And we say, God, give us revelation. Open our eyes to see how this moment of resurrection changed everything. And may we live and may we walk in the power of the resurrected Jesus all the days of our life. And everybody said, amen. All right, here we go. Ephesians chapter one. I want to read some passages here. Read some, some verses here. I just prayed this. I stole this right out of Paul. Okay, I'm a thief. Verse 18. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of his glory and his inheritance in the saints? And what is the boundless greatness of his power? Is God weak? We live in a world where it seems like evil is increasing and, and good is decreasing. We live in a world where we feel like the people of God, the church, is becoming weaker and, and evil is becoming more powerful. God's not weak. What is the evidence of this great power? What is the evidence of this, of this God who uh, um, surpassing greatness of his power towards us who believe? The evidence is this. If you skip to verse 20, when he raised him from the dead. 
The reason we think God is powerful, the reason we can, as Christians, say God is powerful is not just because, well, a God must be powerful. There's been lots of quote-unquote gods throughout all history that are weak, that they break when their statue hits the floor. But there's a reason we say our God is powerful. And the reason we say our God is powerful because the power was demonstrated in the fact that he was dead, but now he is alive. No other God can say that they were once dead, but now is alive. Amen? Every other God, Dagon, when it falls to the ground, his head falls off. But our God, when he, when he falls to the ground, oh, he's just been like a planted seed, and he will resurrect again. Amen? And that power, that power is so great that not only did it have the ability to raise Jesus Christ from the dead, but our hope is that it will, all, it will raise all of us and our loved ones who've gone on before. It will resurrect us from the dead. So it resurrected Christ and all humanity from the grave. That's power. Walking on water is nothing compared to being resurrected from the dead. That's power. Healing a blind person is nothing than raising you up from the dead. And our loved ones. That's power. So Paul's praying in this prayer, I pray that your eyes would be opened to how great the power of God is and the evidence of his power is that he was dead, but now he's alive. Somebody say, that's powerful. These are in accordance with the strength, with the working of the strength of his mind, verse 20, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places, far above every rule, authority, power. Listen to me, far above who's ruling this world. Who's ruling our cities and our families. And See, when Jesus Christ got raised from the dead, he went above every other ruling power, and every other ruling power is in the process of coming underneath the subjection of his feet. Far above every rule, authority, power, dominion, every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the age to come. That's right now. And tomorrow and the day after. He has, Psalms chapter 8, he has put all things in subjection underneath his feet. Somebody say amen. And he made him, Christ, the head over all things, the church, which is the body, the fullness of him. Now, everybody repeat this with me. The fullness of him who is in all, who is, fills all in all. Everybody say all in all. All in all. Okay, this is important part. I want you to remember. The power of God raised Jesus from the dead, made him over everything. Uh, Everything's now under his feet to fulfill uh, uh, Psalms chapter 8. And not only that, but the power of God is the body of Christ that, that is resurrected and that it will fill all in all. Okay? You with me? Everybody say all in all. One more, one more verse of scripture and then we're gonna, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just kind of try to illustrate this for you. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I'm going, to read, I'm going to read Paul's word in South Arkansas vernacular just for a second. But the fact, Jack, this is not a theory. I don't think there's like in this room right now, I don't think there's a bunch of people who are questioning if the resurrection is real, but the fundamentals of our faith are being challenged. 
If Christ wasn't raised from the dead, basically Paul says in this chapter, Corinthians, I believe it's 15, he says, then all this is bogus. Do I believe it's a truth that we will experience resurrection from the dead ourselves? Yes. How many of y'all believe that? To be true. But see, Christ's resurrection is not just a truth. It's also a fact. It is true, but it's not just true because we know it to be fundamentally true. We know it to be true because it is a fact. It is truth that is now a fact because he has been Raised from the dead. Somebody say amen. amen. So now Christ has been raised from the dead. This is a fact, he says. The first fruits of those who are asleep. Christ is the first of many more who will. Everybody say the word asleep. I, when I was studying this, I kind of challenged myself. Several times in the New Testament, Jesus and his New Testament writers use the word asleep in place of death for those in Christ who have passed away. Why? To illustrate the fact that sleep is momentary. Because, listen to me, death has been defeated. I think about my grandfather... Think about my grandmother. Right now, think about your loved one who are, listen to me, your loved ones in Christ who are not dead but are simply asleep. That's power. When we celebrate resurrection, we're celebrating so much power that causes Christians not to die but just sleep. Amen. And who will be resurrected, who will wake up and then... Okay. This is, what a, this is what humanity was supposed to look like. Right? There was a beginning and then, you know, there was a timeline and that timeline was just supposed to keep going. Right? Can y'all see that? Sort of? But then the fall happened. Everybody say, thank you, Adam and Eve. (laughs) Notice I included Adam. Okay, now, that was supposed to be funny. Okay, but I guess not. Okay. We, mean, we took the kids and some of us, uh, the, the, our, our group of people went last night to go watch that uh, son, of, that son, of, son of what? His only son movie. And, on the, and it's the story of Abraham and, and, um, and Sarah, you know. And, I, and I, t- I told Missy, every time Sarah says something that's kind of sketchy, I'm going to grunt and look at you. <clears throat> so the whole movie is like, <clears throat> you know. Anyway, that was funny. I thought, but my point is, I'm, I'm way off track. Let's get back here. So this timeline with God was supposed to be man who had a beginning and who was supposed to have no end. And they were just supposed to walk with God and fellowship with God and go into creation, multiplying and, 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 and creating the people of God and the nations of God, right? But then through disobedience, what entered the world? Sin, which results in? For the wages of sin is, but the gift of God is eternal. 
in Christ Jesus. And so, and so this is now what the timeline started to look like. Instead of being eternal, instead of having a beginning and just keep on going, it looks like this. There was an Adam. And then at some point, there's an end to Adam. Death. But see, in the midst of, and so now, this, this what's supposed to be a straight line across this board, it now has an end. Y'all follow me so far? It has a block of time. Well, we know that Adam and Eve, they had kids. And there was a beginning for this generation. And then it has an end. Right? And then the next generation, and 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 the next generation, throughout throughout human history. And what was supposed to be the entire time, one line, forever into eternity, now has a descending value because death entered the picture. Y'all following me? Now humanity is going down. Was always humanity was created to be in Christ into eternity forever, at least on a linear plane. But now, if you can see in 3D, the timeline of humanity is not one straight line. The timeline of humanity is descending into death until. Until we have while we're celebrating today. And before Jesus Christ came along, there was these instances in time where a man would be born, right? And a man would live, and then a man would die. But then God, or, or the supernatural, or heaven, would invade the timeline and create resurrection and somebody who was dead lived again uh the widow's son lazarus lazarus come forth do i need to get carmen out here okay so listen (laughs) how many of y'all got that okay okay, okay, satan bite the dust all right now listen now here's the thing Let's take Lazarus for a sample. Lazarus was born. Lazarus died. Lazarus was resurrected from the dead to return to his former state. How many of y'all see where I'm going? To be just merely fallen human again. Miss Carolyn, I'm trying to keep this jacket on, but I'm getting excited, okay? Lazarus is reborn. He's, he's, he, he lives again, but he lives again, only returned to fallen humanity. And then Lazarus has the misfortune most of us don't have to experience, which is the man who was alive, but then died, but then lived again, also had to die again. And so even his Story in the natural, in, in, in the human timeline, it may come back, but it has another end. And it is descending. Humanity is descending in value. Yes, you with me? So 
Lazarus was born, Lazarus lives, Lazarus dies, Lazarus lives again to return to his fallen state. It is very, it it is possible that two days after Lazarus was resurrected from the dead, he had a headache. (laughs) He stubbed his toe on the foot of the bed and said, ouch. Right? It is possible that the man who was resurrected still experienced the product of death on his humanity. Temptation still bothered him. Sickness still had place in his body. Everything returned back to his his fallen state. Now, somewhere in this timeline, this descending timeline, 2,000 years ago, There was this man born of a virgin. (laughs) Merry Christmas. It's hard on Easter not to think about Christmas. Listen, listen. There's no point of resurrection unless he dies. There's no point of dying unless he lives. There's no way for him to live unless he was born. These fundamental, I need every person in this room to hear me. These fundamental cardinal doctrines of our faith are not subjective to our opinion. They are the fact, Jack. We can never allow an ounce of, um, of, 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 of doubt in our hearts. He really was born. He really did live. He really committed no sin. He really died on the cross. And he really went down into the grave. And he really came out of the grave. And these facts are woven together as the activity of one man's life that God decided to send to earth. So that the timeline could be altered. Going down into death. Raised to new life. This is, the, this is how the scripture always shows us. is Down into death, raised to new life. Jesus Christ goes down into death even lower than the grave. He descended down, down, down into the depths of Sheol. And he began to rise. And when he arrived, he didn't just stop at earth's level. He rose again and then he ascended on high and is seated at the right hand of the Father. But humanity's down. Humanity's spiraling down in a descendant timeline of death. Y'all with me? Until we come to this Christmas, you know, not we come to the birth. And then we have a man who lived. Y'all like that noise? Have a man who lived. And when he lived this way, it was different than how we lived this way. Somebody say amen. But then, as this man who lived and he's preaching that he is the Messiah, right? The unthinkable happens. The, uh, wait, 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 we weren't, uh, you're, you're the son of God. How can the son of God die? And so he dies. Everybody is flabbergasted. That's in the Greek. Everybody is flabbergasted. Everybody is like, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> that, that's not supposed to happen, right? right? 
And when he dies, everybody's losing their mind. Everybody's, everybody, uh, Peter goes back to fishing. Because <laughs> Peter goes back to fishing because the natural tendency of humanity is to go back just to the normal way of life. But then something happens. And Jesus, right here, he's raised to new life. Resurrection. Now, humanity's experienced resurrection before. Lazarus, widow's son. Humanity's seen it all before. But this time, this resurrected man, he's nothing like he was. He doesn't resurrect back into his uh, uh, carnal physical self. He is what the scriptures call a new creation. Paul says it this way later on in chapter 15. The uh, perishable has put on imperishable. The mortal has put on immortality. So for the first time in all of history, the resurrecting of Jesus Christ is unlike anything humanity has ever seen. It changed everything. He doesn't even look like him former self. He has the ability to cloak himself as he walks down the road to Emmaus. And, and then their eyes are opened, and right? And, and he can walk through the walls, and, but he still has the scars in his hand. And he can be in one place at one moment and be translated to another place in another moment. He has the ability to transcend all physical barriers that exist for us mere mortals. He is the Son of God resurrected in new form. Which ironically may be the original form for us. Now notice what I don't have here. I don't have here another line. Let me just, let me erase this and try to, they'll just give me 30 seconds right here. Give me a couple minutes. Okay, I'm erasing as fast as I can. The board is shaking. Praise God. Here we go, here we go, here we go. Jesus born. Jesus lives. Jesus dies. Jesus is resurrected. This is an interruption in time in the descending value of humanity going down in death. <laughs> Verse, where am I at? Verse 20. Let's read, let's keep reading the scripture here. For since, verse 21, brother, for since by a man death came. Everybody say Adam. By a man, fully human, also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all will be made alive. Y'all got to hear what I'm saying. In Christ all will be made alive. 
Each in his own order, Christ the first fruits, and then Christ the first fruits of a new creation. Y'all with me? After that, those who are Christ at his coming, then comes the end. And when he hands over the kingdom to our God and Father. See, right now, the Father put in the Son, Jesus Christ, all authority, right? He gave him all authority, and Jesus came conquering. He came conquering in a way that we didn't expect him to conquer, but he is, in fact, conquering. And right now, he is conquered. He is, he is the first fruit of conquering death. And right now, he is in the timeline of humanity. He is now conquering, gathering, conquering, gathering, subjecting every power, principality underneath his feet until one day he has so fully conquered that he will return to the Father and hand the kingdom right back over to the Father. That's why Hebrews says he will present us as sons without shame. And so as Jesus, uh, what, what happened, the fact of his resurrection, and then where we are now in the timeline is right here. We're right here in the timeline as, as things are being subjected underneath his feet. Listen, verse 24, then comes the end. Then he hands over the kingdom to our God and Father when he has abolished all rule and authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all enemies, anybody want to guess, under his feet. Psalm 8. Under his feet. Everybody say under his feet. Paul knows that Jesus will ultimately stand above everything. Everything's under his feet. The last enemy to be abolished will be death. And the reason he can say that is because he's already proven that the power is there in his own. And now he has the power to abolish death for all mankind. Another word, another way to say this would be he has the power to change the descending timeline of humanity and create a new timeline for humanity. That makes sense? Yeah. And this time, um, verse 26, the last enemy that will be abolished is death. Verse 27, he has put all things in subjection under his feet. He says, all things are in subjection. It is clear this excludes the Father who all things in subjection to him. And when things are subjected to him, the Son himself will also be subjected to the one who subjected all things to him. So that, everybody listen, so that God may be all in all. Second time Paul says this phrase. That God would feel and be in all in all. How's that going to happen? As man who is descending underneath death, underneath the power, the authority, the weight of death, Jesus Christ came, he conquered death, and he is conquering death. Death is the last thing that fully comes under submission unto Jesus. That makes sense? And then what happens is the church, the people of God are resurrected. Now, y'all hang with me. And when they're resurrected, let's say in the timeline, boom, here comes the second resurrection. Y'all see that? Jesus being the first fruits or Jesus being the foundation. Jesus being the chief cornerstone. In other words, Jesus is the, is the first thing that everything else after that is built on top of. And so then 
Chester who died, or let's say Chester Sr. and Granny and moms and dads and aunts and uncles and all your friends and your loved ones, everybody you're mourning, everybody, everybody you wish that was with you today on this Easter service, all those who are in Christ are resurrected and they are built upon the foundation and the cornerstone. And look, they're resurrected, but they don't return to their original form. And nor does their resurrection have another end to come. For now they are going into eternity. And they're built upon Christ who is the cornerstone. And if I could sit here right now and just line after line after line of resurrected ones. And look, if I just kept doing this and imagine if I just you know, filled this whole board up and there was no end to this board. And I built a line that filled this entire room and then and it just kept stacking them as high as it would go. Eventually, this new resurrected uh, uh, place, it would fill everything. Because when we're resurrected in Christ, we're not resurrected back to the way we were. We will know everything. We will know and be known. The questions will be answered. The loved ones will be returned. And we will go into eternity. The part of the scripture, honestly, we don't know as much about as we know about this. But we will go into all creation, all eternity. Church as the bride, Jesus as the groom, and all it will be from the point of the second resurrection is life, 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 life. Perpetual producing of life for all of eternity. And literally, listen to me, life will fill everything. And can I tell you, Standing here on Easter Sunday 2023 when death is all around us. When these concepts being woven into our society that do not produce life, that actually are part of the descending value of the spiraling of creation into death. That life was presented in Christ. No more death. No more tears. No more grieving. No more pain. But one resurrected man, the son of man, the son of God, through so much power, changes everything. Changes everything. There is no other event in human history that can even touch this event. Every other event in human history pales in comparison to the magnitude of how much change and transformation it has wrought on all creation. Jesus rose from the dead, and when he did, everything changed. Y'all with me? Y'all see it? So then, the resurrected Christ feels all and is in all. What we have to look forward to, those of you who are in Christ, what we have to look forward to is life forever. Amen. I'm not even just talking about, I'm not even just talking about floating on a cloud in heaven. You see what I'm saying? I'm talking about a new creation restored back to what we were all originally supposed to be. Amen. 
going forward with God in all eternity. In a million, a hundred million thousand quadrillion years from now, will all, all creation will still look back to this one man and his one moment. Which is why in heaven we'll never get tired of glorifying Jesus. The one man who changed it all. Stand up on your feet. I hope this made sense. I hope this made sense. This is what I want to say to you as you prepare to leave today and celebrate Easter with your family and Resurrection Day with your family. This isn't like St. Patrick's Day. This isn't like... uh, This isn't like Valentine's Day. This isn't like, hey, cool, we get to have a little celebration meal. Uh, Missy, at my request, made a chocolate cake. I'm going to go home and be fat and happy. (laughs) This isn't about cake and dinners and Easter eggs and all that kind of stuff. What I would hope for all of us to emphasize today is what we're celebrating today is the day that changed everything. Changed everything. This is not a typical holiday. This is the day that everything became different. This is also our hope, the scripture says. And in our despair, and when we feel like things are falling apart in our lives, and when we feel like this earth is going to hell in a handbasket, descending value, What we have forward to look forward to, what we have to look forward to is only what God could do. Jesus didn't raise himself from the dead. The Father raised him from the dead, right? Jesus is now fully human, alive the way we're supposed to be, and we will join him. (laughs) I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about sweet by and by. I'm talking about living in resurrected power for all eternity with the God of the universe is so much bigger than we can wrap our minds around. You hear what I'm saying? The seed that was planted is producing a tree that will flourish for all eternity. Its leaf will never wither and the nations will eat of it and they'll never get sick. This is the Jesus who was planted but who came back to new life. When this earth tries to convince us that death is powerful when this earth tries to convince us that death is inevitable and death is powerful may your loved ones only be sleeping and may we all hang on to the hope that is in Christ in his resurrected life forever somebody say amen so father God I pray that your church I pray again Ephesians that their eyes would be open and that their hearts would be enlightened to know What is the power, the surpassing greatness of his power to those that believe? That we don't just believe in the man who saves us from our sins. We believe in the man who saves us from our sins and makes us new forever. Open our eyes. Give us the revelation. In Jesus' name we pray. 
Amen. Hug somebody's neck. It was so good to see everybody. We love you. Have a great rest of the day.